This is the Steve Zabin Show. You don't know what the hell you're doing! On the Team 980 and the Team980.com. What the hell is he doing? Here he is, the Zabe. I'm not saying I start these poll question deliberations just before the show, but sometimes I like to let it sort of build up and I gotta feel the moment. I'm right on the cusp of it here today. If you watch last night's fail Mary game between the uh, Packers and the Seahawks, then you got to see the wonderfulness of replacement refs screwing up the last call and screwing it up royally. My question is going to be on the poll today in honor of the fail Mary. What are the what is the worst call in NFL history? Worst call in NFL. History And so my preliminary four-banger, Scott, is yes, the fail Mary, and I'll tell you why in just a second. You might say, but that was a week three game, maybe a week two game. How could that possibly be amidst all the other bad calls? I've got the immaculate reception in there, although I'm not sure it belongs. Again, explanation in just a second. The tuck rule which I think is in there. And, you know, two years ago, the Saints and their no PI call at home. What else am I missing here? Text line 330-99-ZABE. I've stumbled upon stadiumtalk.com, Scott, that has conveniently listed the 25 worst calls (laughs) in NFL history. Worst call ever. And I had forgotten about good old Phil Luckett at the Silverdome, Week 13, Lions-Steelers, overtime, and a coin flip on Thanksgiving Day that shall live in infamy. Oh. Now you might say, but that wasn't a Super Bowl game. Uh, what did it really affect? I mean, because there's plenty of them that people bitch about. Now there's, of course, going to be things like the Jerry Rice fumble, against the Packers that wasn't a fumble. That was in 1999. Uh, the Niners went on to win 30-27. to The Packers would have recovered with just 46 seconds left in the game. You got the Holy Roller, Dave Casper, and the Oakland Raiders batting the ball, kicking the ball, to the point they had to put in a rule change to eliminate future instances of the quote-unquote Holy Roller. Uh, Des Bryant's catch was a big one. Uh, there was 4.42 left in the game. Packers are leading 26-21. Dez caught it and would have been down at about the two-yard line, I believe, or about the four. That's certainly a bad one. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. So the question is, do I take out the immaculate reception because it was so bang, bang. It was so razor-thin close that without the benefit of replay, it was going to be impossible for them to tell whether Fuqua, Fuqua touched the ball. Also complicating and maybe mitigating the immaculate reception as one of the all-time bad calls, in addition to the fact it was so close and so bang-bang, is that the rule itself was stupid. That an offensive player could not legally catch a pass that had already been touched, right? Defected, by another yeah. offensive player. As if that was going to be some unbeatable play that was going to ruin the league. Dumb rule, close play, unfortunate outcome, I think it's off the list. The fail Mary belongs for this reason. It was so needless. It was a $10 billion industry cracking open parking meters 
and busting the referee union kneecaps for a better labor deal. Totally unnecessary. These guys make too much money. They don't even work all year long. They're part-timers. What are we paying them for? We'll get our own guys in here. Let's break the union. And we quickly found out that as much as you may have hated Bill Levy or Ed Hockley or Gene Steratore on Sundays, they were the best guys we could get. In command, knew the rules, knew how to make a call. You put uh, old Lance Easley in there, Skeeter McBuzzcut, the guy that botched the fail Mary. It tilted the outcome of the season to a large degree. The Packers did win 12, 11 games, but it would have been 12 without that call, and it would have tilted home field, and it would have done a lot of different things, even though it was an early season game. I'm putting the fail Mary in there because it was so unnecessary, it was so high profile, and it was so ridiculous it's going to stay. The tuck rule clearly has to be in there, if for no other reason than I can play Al Davis talking about the tuck rule. This is an outrage. Oh, sorry. How do you intend to placate me? Uh, Al Davis, tuck rule. Have it in for the Raiders. You might have it in for me. And so that's having it in, I guess, for the rest of the people in the Raiders. Uh, Raiders. He is a great player. Get over it. Actually, what is it under, Scott? Good, good afternoon, Scott Land, everybody. In Hi, the buddy. desk, keeping you apprised of things. Uh, Davis doing? is not on here. I'm doing Uh-oh. good. Thank you. Find the bite. I'll be doing better. Tuck rule is going to stay in. The Saints PI call. It belongs in. It's a must. Wait a minute, Zabe. Aren't you the one that called Sean Payton a whiny baby and blah, blah, this? and blah. Two separate things in Zabe's camp. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that doesn't matter. It that was, was a terrible a call. Terrible choke of a call. But I kind of understand why they missed it, even though it's inexcusable. It looked so weird. It was like, wait, what? Like, the the DB wiped him out. I should remember the DB's name. Remember the DB, DB's name? Yeah, now with the Eagles, uh, Nikel Roby Coleman. Yeah, that's right. And who was the uh, wide receiver? Uh, b- yeah. B- 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 um, yes. I forget these things, too. I know. Bottom line is that um, it was egregious in part because it was so weird looking. Like, who would just wipe out a guy on a flat release route out to the sideline, and the answer is uh, Nickel Roby Colvin. Or Roby Nickel Col- Nickel, Nickel. Nickel Roby Coleman. Uh, Tommy Lee Lewis was the Saints receiver that I couldn't uh, that I couldn't come right. up with. Number 11. Egregious call. I kind of understand why they biffed it because it looked so weird. That said, Saints had plenty of chances to win the game. And I don't mind that they complained about it after the game. What I mind was they wouldn't shut up. And what I really minded was that they lobbied to change the rules for something that really screwed up last season that is not going to be back this year. So I'm putting the Saints no P.I. call in there amongst the worst calls in NFL history. I think I need to, need to take out the immaculate reception. So that would then leave us with, you know, I mean, Phil Luckett probably belongs because it's overtime, it's Thanksgiving, bro. you got to get the coin flip right. Seriously? What else st- stands out? You want the Dez catch in there? We can only do four, unfortunately. Okay. So what about, you know, it, it go back to the Raider motif and put in the Holy Roller, where basically players are batting the ball forward and then admitting that they batted the ball forward into yeah. a touchdown situation. That's not allowed. It, it's pretty bad. But again, I think the referees never envisioned someone 
doing that like that. It's and like you usually don't cheat in front usually of those us. plays never usually those plays never work. By the way, holy roller, YouTube. Way to prep for the show. Sorry, I'm getting it right now. Relax, everybody. Um, Raiders Chargers. It was it was a good. I remember watching the game live as a kid. Now it's super all angry. All time, the holy roller. It's like a 30-yard touchdown, basically. The fumble would turn into a touchdown. I think the Holy Roller is a great name for it because uh, I go to church on Sunday. I believe in the big guy. Pete Banazak, Raiders nice. running back. What What are the great names? Banazak, B-A-N-A-S-Z-A-K. A-K. <laughs> I watched it as a kid because the Chargers were always on as the West Coast game, you know? Oh, yeah. And got it. I loved the Chargers. I loved the colors. I loved Eric Coryell and the passing and everything else. And I remember them losing this game, and I'm like, that, that's cheating! Second left. Uh, it was about a 20-plus yard forward fumble. Batted ahead multiple times. <laughs> it, was, it was the worst game of hot potato ever. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to do anything from ancient times. Frank Gifford's fumble that wasn't his number one. It was from 1958 at Yankee Stadium in the Bronx. I mean, you can't, have, you can't say, oh, that was a bad call in the pre-modern age where things were not as sophisticated. Uh, Don Chandler missed a field goal. That was called good for the Packers uh, in overtime at Lambeau Field in 65. Oof, that should never happen. I think I'm going to put the Dez caught it in there. Just to make the poll attractive to Dallas Cowboy fans. Because it's all about really just getting the clicks. Is that okay? Yeah, you okay with that? I'm, I'm that okay with the Holy Roll. Better than Holy Roller? Better than... Uh, um, uh, old Phil Luckett screwing up the coin flip. Take Phil Luckett out, but leave the Holy Roller in because we we both like that Raiders Charger era if it's right. still possible. Right. How about how about uh, the snowplow for the Patriots? Three nothing final, Foxborough Stadium, December twelfth, nineteen eighty two. Hey, wait, what? You're not allowed to do that. Who's going to stop me? Home, home. All right, field. so fail Mary is out then. Holy Ooh. Roller. All right, hold on. Fail Mary. All right. Saints Here. Rams. Holy Roller, Fail Mary, Tuck Rule. What would the Saints one be? Is the Tuck Rule a horrible call? Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. I think it was a call that nobody knew about. It was a rule that somehow existed in the tiny little cracks and crevices. Uh, By the way, Tuesday, maybe. go look, go back to your little YouTube and check out the start of the Holy Roller, and you can see that when Stabler is in the grasp, he kind of, sort of, gets it a, a little forward. It looked like an incomplete pass and not a fumble because he was in the grasp. That too could have been called, and this is, you know, uh, you, you'll see it. it. The ball just sort of comes out, but and yeah. re, no replay. 
his his hand looked like it threw the ball, sort of a feh. It did. Yeah. All right. That should so have been an incomplete pass and not a fumble. Here's what I did, because uh, I was just tired of diddling over it. Holy roller. So are we. Holy roller, <laughs> fail Mary, tuck there rule, and Dez caught it. I wish that I could have shortened Dez caught it to two words to make it nice and even, Steven. But those are all plays you can instantly remember. Holy roller, fail Mary, tuck rule, Dez caught it. Uh, vote now at Team980 oh. at Zabe on Twitter. What? I wanted the Saints what? Rams in there. I wanted the Saints Rams. You know, you know why? You know why I didn't include it? To trigger Saints fans. Got it. Yeah. Because you know Got it's it. coming. Oh, yeah. How and could some... you make a list of this and not have that? It's the worst <laughs> one. You just said it was the worst. There were super high stakes. How the hell could That's you do right. this? That's right. <laughs> I get it. They should have caught the holy roller, too. Uh, Stabler's under sling should have been declared an incomplete pass. Mm-hmm. But, oh, well. Bad calls in life are a part of life. Okay, we have some wrangling going on about, woo baseball. We could have spring training, two come June 10, season by July 1. You heard Scott's update at the top of the hour saying, not so fast, my friend, in truly Corso fashion. We'll dig deeper into that coming up next, plus uh, the rest of the news du jour. And how about that Korean baseball last night? We'll talk about that. Tim Kirkjian is due to join us as well before the hour is out. We are up and running on a Checks Notes Tuesday here in the DMV. Now back to the Steve Zabin Show on the Team 980 and 95.9 FM. Happy Cinco de Mayo, everybody, as well. Normally enjoy this festive holiday. And uh, I put up a poll question this morning, which is uh, of the Mount Rushmore of Mexican food. Who is the king of kings? Taco, burrito, quesadilla, or nachos? Taco, your winner or leader. At 49%, uh, nachos 25%, burrito 17 and quesadilla 7 People were outraged that chimichanga was not on there, that tamales were not on there. <laughs> I could only pick four. Right, it's I had food. to go with the John Paul. I had to go with the John Paul, George, and Ringo of Mexican foods. Taco, burrito, quesadilla, and nachos. Uh, carnitas didn't make the list. Enchiladas, oh. I love them, did not make the list. Duh. Fajitas did not make the list. Maybe maybe quesadilla, because it did come in last, was the one that should have been booted out. Relegated. Yeah, relegated. Just like the old uh, bottom teams in the Premier League. Did I, t- did I say on there that I saw the uh, NBC special on the final day of the Premier League season when Manchester City had two goals in stoppage time to stun... QPR and claim the title when they thought that crosstown rival Manchester United had slipped past them on the final day. I I, I remember coming across it. Was it on over the weekend? So I never did. I it was a couple weekends ago on NBC. Okay, it was called the Noisy Neighbors. I did not it was see this. I don't think you Scott. mentioned. I I'm it sorry, was I missed fantastic. It. We'll have to get. Uh, I believe uh, AJ, who's been. Let me give it a little shout out here. Uh, and because of everything that's happened here, um, I've not yet met him in person, but I look forward to doing it. He's doing a phenab- phenomenal job. Oh, AJ's phenomenal. great. 
He's doing a he's doing a fabulous and phenomenal job, or phenomenal job, as I like Fab-lenomenal. to combine. Phenomenal. AJ Atai, who is going to end up going up to Bristol to work for the mothership at ESPN, has been booking guys for the show since things changed, and he is fantastic. And so I told him, I said, man, I'd love to get just either one of the men in blazers at any point just to talk soccer. I don't care. I, lo- I just love those guys. I don't even know their names. I mean, Neil and Nigel and Trevor or somebody, but they're funny as hell and they're great and we can talk soccer. So I'll talk, well, there's one of them, either one or both are coming on Thursday at five and we could talk about that special, but it's great. It is absolute high def soccer porn. It's so well done. It's NFL films quality and you get really invested in, oh my God, Manchester City is going to blow it again. They have an expression called typical city, which means Manchester City, the little brother, they always screw things up. <laughs> they're like the Browns, I guess. <laughs> so they were feeling last day of the Premier League, they're like, typical city. They're going to blow it. And they scored twice in extra time to win and pull it out at the last second. There was joy all around. It's very good. Roger Bennett and uh, Michael Davies, Zabe, are your two gents, your men in blazes. That a boy. Yeah, Roger and, and Michael. Men in blazes. So last night, Trevor Plouffe, former major league pitcher, no longer on a roster, not for this year. Infield. And then Phil Hughes, another guy, former pitcher, no longer on a roster. Both came out and confirmed that a proposal for a June 10 spring training two coronavirus boogaloo was going to be presented with a July 1st start date to a truncated season. Both men came out with it and said, I had, you know, I believe uh, Hughes had it first. I think Plouffe had it second or vice versa. One of them said, so-and-so had it first. I had it second. Others will have it later. That is, of course, as you reported at the top of the hour, been met with pushback, and we'll talk more to Tim Kirchian about it. It is a little bit premature, but then again, the date it's already may the 5th i've been the one saying we got time sit tight we got time talk to me in may talk to me in june but now i'm the guy going oh boy tick tock question when does the baseball season die i don't want to know anything else about well when is it going to start how is it going to start what are the logistics where are we playing da 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 you tell me, when when does this season die? What's the date? August 1st? That's got to be it. August 1st would allow you to play about a 60-game schedule, which is just a bit over a third of a normal season. And it would run you into October. And then you would play a typical postseason if you wanted to. You don't have to. And you could call it, a salvaged year. I think that's about it, right? August 1st. Best to ask Timmy K. By the way, Trevor Plouffe tweeted about 15 minutes ago, and he said simply, you know what sucks about breaking news? I have stuff I want to promote. But if I do it now, people will still think yesterday was all about getting my eyes, getting eyes on my bleep. And it really hmm. wasn't. I tweeted something that was told to me by multiple people I trust. And that list has grown today. 
Okay. He's put in an awkward position because he came forth with that news. I think he was the first one, and Hughes is like, I got it second, but we both got it, and, and, and everybody was off and running. And you can ask Timmy what the, the drop-dead month or week or whatever, how small is too small. But the, the one question that I, I, I always go back to, Zabe, and B and I talked to Steve Gardner of USA Today earlier, is that somebody's leaking this to them. It's like you're in cafeteria and the same note keeps on getting passed around and people keep on reading the same note. Who's writing the note? And maybe <laughs> Tim's got a good answer, too. Steve thought it was ownership. That would be just a guess. I blame Horace Grant. <laughs> <laughs> it's Horace's fault. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, this is going to this is going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be difficult. It's like it's like our nation was a attacked by a vicious swarm of bees and we ran found the nearest pond we could and we jumped in you know what i don't begrudge us for doing that it's what we had to do but there we are we're now bobbing with our nose above the water and much of the bees are gone but they're not all gone and getting out of the water is looking harder and harder all the time we know we have to do it at some point, but when's the right time to do it? Tis the eternal question of the hour. Did you like the Korean baseball last night? Awkward, lacking total atmosphere and whatnot, but hey, it's baseball, right? We'll take I saw what we can get. this much through the Tiny internet, bit. and I saw it was Ravi in a corner. And what, Eduardo Perez, and they had the three guys in the triple box and the screen, and it looked cute. I tried to stay awake. At at some point, I'm sure I'll get up really, really early and watch an inning. It It's live. It's baseball. It's on. And thank you for bringing it to us. I can't say that I'm going to be making appointment viewing out of it, buddy. No. They're going to be replaying it a lot, according to the schedule I saw at ESPN. But, uh, yeah. I look. Again, we'll take it. Just like I'm going to – am I going to order the pay-per-view uh, UFC fight this weekend? Maybe. Maybe. I, I mentioned the same thing. But remember, if you order it, you may have to be booked for it for several months down the line. It's not like oh. just ordering oh. one thing. Here we go again. Like this Read the fine print. Back and forth we had with Sally about that. Exactly. We should really have a, we should really have a socially safe get-together. Bunch of guys. Six feet Skogert, apart. come on over. We'll sit by the fire pit. Do you have a projector screen? No, I got a. Come on, a Scott. I'm not going to look at an iPad from across yeah. the. I, I have thing. a 40 inch Roku that's built in that can get the streaming, oh. so I just have to order it. Will you bring that TV out, the 40 incher? I always do. Plop yes, it on I would it. Love to. You do. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. Now we're talking. I got a now bright yellow extension be... cord, and we're in business. Weather forecast says checks notes 38. It's be 38. 38 degrees. Yeah, it's going to be chilly. Jesus. Yes, what the, what the hell is going on? Looking forward on, to next week already. This is not May yet. Freezing May, murder hornets, pandemics, Kobe's killed. I I, I don't like this year. <laughs> I don't like it. Coming up, DMV Sports Desk with Scott Lynn, and then on the other side, Tim Kirk, Jin from ESPN on all this baseball stuff. His thoughts about the Korean League and whatever else is on the Baltimore natives' mind. You are listening to the Steve Zabin Show on the Team 980. The Sports Desk on the Team 980 and 95.9 FM. 
This year, Radio 1 celebrates 40 years of informing, inspiring, and entertaining the community. The D.C. Lottery and the Team 980, 95.9 FM team up to give you a chance to win the exclusive 40th anniversary Radio 1 Scratcher with over $800,000 in cash and prizes. Keep it right here for your chance. In with the latest tweet from baseball insider John Heyman a little bit ago. Baseball executives have not apprised the union of any particular proposed starting date for a season. And at this point, the sense is that July 1st rumor could be on the optimistic side. It isn't ruled out, but it isn't close to a likelihood. Anyway, Frank Gore, who turns 37 in about 10 days, has signed a one-year deal with the New York Jets. Marshawn Lynch last night on Scott Van Pelt Sports Center on ESPN said that his agent is in talks for a beast mode possible return to Seattle. Eli Manning tells SiriusXM that Daniel Jones will be better in Manning's absence. This is me being gone. He's the quarterback. He's the guy. It'll be good for him to have that control and authority over the receivers and the offensive line. Rafa Nadal says he'd just as soon call this tennis season and look ahead to 2021. Tells reporters he's more concerned with the Aussie Open than with what happens later this year. Quote, I think 2020 has been practically lost. This report brought to you by ExpressPros.com. Need to manage a changing workforce? It's time to get to know Express Employment Professionals. Visit ExpressPros.com to find one of over 830 locations to help support your workforce needs. DMV weather, 57 clouds in Silver Spring. Chance of showers later tonight and overnight, upper 40s. Rain, upper 40s for your Wednesday. Nobody really knows what time it is these days. Make sure you're waking up with Kevin Sheehan, his show from 6 to 9 these days, Monday through Friday. Doc and Galdi, 9 to noon. B. Mitch and I from noon to 3. And The Zabe Show takes you home 3 to 7 on the Team 980 and 95.9 FM. More The Zabe Show on this Tuesday as we continue live from the 95.9 FM Team 980 studios. Zabe, back to you. All right, thank you, Scott. Our pleasure to welcome on now Tim Kirkjian from ESPN covers Major League Baseball. Tim, good afternoon. Good to talk to you. We don't get a chance on this show very much how are you well i'm okay it's a little weird i'm healthy though so family and let's hope everyone is healthy there too amen to that so what'd you make of last night's korean baseball organization debut on espn well uh i must say i didn't watch it um but i am on the show tomorrow at probably 6.30 in the morning to try to help out with the analysis or whatever. Uh, I think it's a great idea to put these games on. I think it gives us an idea of what baseball looks like again, what Major League Baseball could look like again without fans in the stands, you know, with people with masks on during a game. And I think it's a good idea to see how this is working in another country and if it works there there's no reason it can't work here assuming it's safe enough to work here somebody tweeted out the basic hierarchy of baseball worldwide and you tell me if this is on the money or a little bit off mlb of course at the top the npb which is japan second triple a in the states third then korea the kbo then double a then high a then the Taiwanese League, the CPBL, and then we're talking low A ball. Does that sound about right? Uh, I would have to go over that again. But, yes, that sounds about <laughs> Roughly right. Roughly speaking. They a, okay. Look, they play a very good brand of baseball in Korea, and we've seen players come to this country and do exceptionally well. We've seen players like uh, Eric Thames who go over there, resurrect their career, come back here, 
and do awfully well also. So, And they play more of a major league style game over there than they do, say, in Japan, in that the Japanese are so defense-oriented. They are so fundamentally sound. They bunt, they move the ball around, they put the ball in play. In Korea, it's much more like it is here, where guys are trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark. The defense isn't stressed as much as maybe it should be. But it's it's a really high brand of baseball. We're not watching, you know, some, you know, double A, I mean, Division Two baseball teams here. These guys are good, man, and they know how to play. Mm-hmm. Tim Kirkjian, ESPN Baseball, at Kirkjian, that's K-U-R-K-J-I-A-N underscore ESPN. Nice enough to join us here on the Zabe Show, Team 980, Team 980 app, 95.9 FM. Tim, is is Rob Manfred, are Rob Manfred and the MLB powers that be watching this for, for ideas, or is it such still a, a separate entity, virus attacks when it wants to attack, virus moves when it wants to move, that, that they're like, all right, congrats, we're glad there's content, enjoy it. Well, yes and no. They're, I think they're watching every inch of this to see how this works and could it mirror how Major League Baseball's going to work. We do know, it seems at least, that Korea's numbers are way down when it comes to the virus compared to the virus numbers in the United States. So that's what has to come down before we're going to get to where the KBO is right now. But sure, every every game, every inning gives you a glimpse and a little bit of a clue as to how this works without fans, all sorts of things. So Major League Baseball is extremely interested. And, of course, they're extremely interested if people are actually watching, even at 1 o'clock in the morning. Because mm. if they're interested in watching the KBO, when most people don't know anyone who even plays in that league, that implies when Major League Baseball comes back without fans uh, that the ratings are going to be good. But we've got Dan Straley and we've got Matt Williams, and there are other stories, Tim, that are certainly interesting to, to people of the of the national capital DMV area. Yes, I mean, I I think it's great what we're doing here. I, I'm all for watching baseball. There are stories everywhere if you're going to look closely enough. But it's the playing of the game that's the most important thing, and I, I just hope we get to that point. I'm still confused, though. I just got off the phone with somebody who really believes that we are going to play uh, by July the 1st, and he believes we're going to have spring training starting June the 10th. And he's guessing, he's speculating, but he's not just doing this without any sort of you know, idea about this. He's being told along the way, these are possibilities. My concern is how many roadblocks could get in the way between now and, say, an opening of spring training on June the 10th. Right. Any sort of outbreak changes everything, and that's why it's so hard to get anything firm out of this. Well, not to be macabre, Tim, but what date would the MLB season die? In other words, what is the absolute end of the road where you're going to have to fold it up and say we couldn't do it? Well, I've asked that, too, and I haven't gotten a definitive answer on that. What is it, 60 games? Is it 80 games? I think most people would look at you and say 80 games is a representative schedule. It's better than nothing. You win the World Series after an 80-game season. You you deserve it, that type of thing. The problem is if we don't start on July the 1st, but we find a way to start on August the 28th, what do we do then? Do we just play some 
March Madness kind of tournament right to the end with everyone involved? Or do we say, all right, we're going to expand the regular season. We're going to go into into December, maybe into January, and now you're affecting next season. So I'm not buying any of that. That doesn't – that's just too late. I think there has to be a drop-dead date that if you haven't played by August the 15th and there is still danger out there, you might as well just say, all right, this was a lost season. Everybody loses in every way, but it's better than forcing something that just isn't going to work. Yeah. Nothing, uh, no easy answers there to be sure. Where do you think the players' minds are these days? What are they telling you? Well, this is just a a random number guess, but my guess is that 98% of the players are going to play no matter what you tell them to do. Now, if there's a quarantine situation where you're going to keep you away from your your loved ones, your family for four months. I mean, that's unacceptable. And I think we'll go a different direction than that. But I think 98% of the players, I'm making up that number, are going to want to play. They want to play. They want to get paid. They want the game. They know the game is going to help the country. So let's go. Because not everyone is the richest man on the on the field. Not everyone's making right. 20 or $30 million a year. These guys need to get paid and just as important they love to play and they're not doing themselves any good by sitting home so i think the players are going to go along not with anything that is offered but with most things that are offered because i think they want to play and i think they want to get paid so essentially what you're saying is that the biodome option is probably not going to happen almost certainly nobody's even talking about biodome anymore yeah, I don't see that happening. I could see three different states, Florida, Texas, and Arizona, making this work. I could see the divisional, I mean, the regional setup, three divisions with 10 teams each. I could see teams trying to play in their home ballpark as long as their state is willing to allow that. But that's when it really gets tricky. Let's say all those teams in California are being told no. You're not playing any games in your home ballpark until 2021. What do we do then? Just when you come up with a decent solution, a decent idea, like a thousand roadblocks immediately set up. And that's where, that's why I am still concerned about this is so many things could still go wrong. All right. Exit on a somewhat happier thought. I assume because I know you play basketball, Tim. And you love the game. I assume you've been watching the last dance on ESPN. Question, is there, in your mind, a 10-part baseball documentary on a player that you would love to see, a la this, with Jordan? Uh, Well, at this point, I would love to see anything on television that is sports-related. Because right now, because I don't have any other interest in sports. No, I don't think there's a baseball player current, of course, that matches Michael Jordan. Jordan. Right, because Michael. the big difference is Michael Jordan touches the ball on every possession. He affects the outcome of every game. He's the best player on the court for every game, whereas Mike Trout, who is the closest thing to Michael Jordan, is 
one of the greatest players I've ever seen, and yet he doesn't dominate a game on a nightly basis like Jordan does because he only bats four times a game. He might get walked twice and not even catch a fly ball. So that's why there's a huge difference between baseball and basketball, and I just don't think you can dominate a sport uh, like baseball like you can in basketball because of just the inherent difference. Someone said if you wanted a single documentary on a season or a team that the 70s Oakland A's had a real reservoir of interesting characters. Would you agree? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, yes, Reggie Jackson by himself, um, Vita Blue, Catfish Hunter, all those guys, Dick Williams, the manager for a couple years, and they won three championships in a row. So sure, and they and Charlie Finley, of course, leading the way. Yeah, that would be a great eight-part documentary on how that team won. You could do that with a few other teams, by the way. But the A's were not only really good, but they were controversial and they had a lot of character. They were fun to be around. Yeah, the handlebar mustaches in the soundtrack would be phenomenal for such a documentary. <laughs> Tim, we appreciate your time as always. Follow Tim on Twitter at Kirk, G-N-K-U-R-K-J-I-A-N underscore ESPN. And uh, we'll see you back on the baseball beat before you know it. Thank you. Okay, Steve. See you later. Bye. Tim Kirkjian from ESPN on a variety of subjects. Could you do Biodome Light where you tell the players, bring your families. We're going to be in three places. We're going to be in uh, Orlando. Mm-hmm. Well, they have a baseball stadium in Orlando. They, be in they Florida. Have, there's fields. There's fields because then they yeah. used to do like a little league-ish thing there. I don't know how where the fences are, but I, uh, I, mean, I thought they did. But what if basketball's used? Well, let's just say Florida Walt Disney World. Well, that's the thing. Let's just say Biodome Light, which is we're going to be in three places: Florida, Texas, Arizona. Bing, bang, boom. We're going to fly you between the three on a once every two weeks basis. Bring the kids, fully sanitized. Testing, precautions, you name it. Uh, consider it a unique summer. It's not quite locking you in away from your family for a, a, an extended period of time, but it's a more controlled situation. What if you fold up this season and say, well, we'll just eat it, we'll take the loss, we'll be back in 2021, and then there is a rebound about the same time next year. Let's say it's not as bad, but it's still not good. I mean, you could run yourself into losing two straight seasons, which is extinction-level event for some entities in the game. I don't know. A lot of suboptimal options there, but they're going to have to wrestle with it and figure it out. All right, text windows open, 330-99-ZABE. have yet to get to any of your texts. Thank you for chiming in. It's your way to directly interact with the show. And we do appreciate it. We'll talk to our friend John Oran later in the show, Sports Business Journal. There's some interesting uh, stories going on. And straight ahead, I want to talk about what it is about ES and take you off of the very show or the sport you're covering. And then they give you a new contract. It must be nice, but hey, good for them. I'm not bitter. I'm envious. Make any sense. We're back after this. Now back to the Steve Zabin Show on the Team 980 and 95.9 FM. I forgot to mention the first pitch last night in the Korean Baseball League was a kid 
inside a giant clear baseball bubble. He was bubble boy. And he rolled himself. He just walked from the mound down to the home plate and then high-fived the catcher from the safety of his interior bubble. I'm of mixed mind on this. On one hand, I thought it was cute, and I guess a decent historical timestamp. We'll keep that highlight for years as we get past this thing and look back and go, oh, yeah, that was the coronavirus year. That was 2020. I hated that year. <laughs> that year awful. Everything from coronavirus to murder hornets, it was the worst. But uh, on the other hand, you know, all the uh, players, I assume, had been tested. Kid was in no danger of catching it just by being no. out on the mound. I'm and sure there's something tested. to be said for, you know, messaging like, look, we're out here playing baseball. It's fine. Relax, everybody. I don't know. I could go either way. I could be convinced either way. Who knows? So good for Pablo Torre and uh, one Bomani Jones. They just got new contracts at ESPN despite the fact that their show High Noon, which was critically acclaimed, although didn't get much of an audience, was recently canceled. This follows in the footsteps of ESPN taking Jessica Mendoza off of Sunday Night Baseball and then giving her a new contract as well. Like I said, it it must be nice. It's, it's remarkable. So you, the show we were doing, it's no good. It's got to be canceled. But we like you. We're still going to have you guys here. So here's a new contract. And they get it in the middle of what is going to be a tsunami of financial pressure for ESPN in the sports business. That, good for them. They got great agents. I got a good agent, but they got great agents. So congratulations to them. Your thoughts, Scott, on... Uh, what this all means exactly? And not only the tsunami of financial pressure for the four letters, Abe, but you and I both saw the tweets prior to the weekend of the NFL draft in the rear view, the league, Roger taking his salary down to zero, of course, which is appreciated for optics purposes by so many. But where does his money go? And I'm not saying the NFL needs to donate all of it. But where does it go? Back to the owners? Does it stay in the bank account because he's going to make bone-eye anyway? You know what I mean? If, if you take a zero salary, that's wonderful. So where, where does it go? Does it go to help COVID relief? Did he donate 100% of it? Is but that's it the salary? Other Is it yeah. total compensation? What's in the fine print? Is he going to make right. it up next year? I'm very skeptical of all of it because we don't see the language. And he is fabulously compensated anyway. Yes. But whatever. I'm sure he had to do it because they were going to, you know, go around the company and, and reduce pay for certain people and, you know, have layoffs and other painful things. But I swapped texts uh, during the weekend with a friend, and you and I have several friends who work for the NFL Network. And the tweet came out that, I think it was Andrew Marchand or somebody else, that the NFL Network was starting, just like so many other businesses, furloughs, layoffs, reassignments, mm-hmm. pay whatever's, and, and the one friend that got back to me just said, I, I'm, I'm devastated for my friends. I'm lucky I'm yeah. still here, and I'm devastated for my friends, and I know that our business is not immune, but, mm-hmm. you know, ESPN, they, you know, the, the story came out weeks ago now, Van Pelt and Stephen A. and Greeny, you know, taking pay cuts and what have you. The NFL Network, same thing. They're just, they're gutting it. 
Just I guess they use I guess they use Bomani and Pablo on various uh, talking head shows. You know the around the horns, the highly questionables. So right. I guess they're utility players there, and who knows? You know their new deals, what they were compared to the old deals. But again, good for them. I just found it like, oh, so wait, you, you don't want their show, but you're going to keep them. And I guess Mendoza is going to cover baseball when there finally is baseball again, but just not be on Sunday night because of the whole conflict of interest thing uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, her Mets consulting gig. All right. Text window, 330-99, Zabe. Bubble Boy episode was great on Seinfeld. Moops. Thanks. Moops, Jerry. Imagine getting in a fight with a kid who's in a horrible, hermetically sealed bubble. Uh, let's see. Uh, 570. Hasn't Bore Many Jones been canceled twice now? Oh. Cute. That was a cheap shot. He changed his name. Come on, man. Uh, 850. Best show on the air. Thankful for the podcast, Zabe. Keep on going. We appreciate it. Um. ESPN originally led sports TV with a vehicle of programming. Now viewers are conditioned and become bored. Personality TV carries the day now. They canceled the show, but they kept the personalities. I think their contracts were tied to the show, but ESPN is manipulating. Well, there's actually logic to that. I mean, if the uh, if they like them as personalities and they test well, if they're good cast characters, keep them by all means. Coming up, we got the 4 o'clock hour. Some more on the NFL as well as last night's Korean Baseball League. And stay with us.